But uh, I want to remind you about something uh, before I get into uh, my message, and, and really I'm going to kind of dovetail in with what I was sharing last week. But I want to remind you of some things that God had stirred in my heart concerning specifically our lives individually. And how many of you remember there was a service in January, I think it was the third Sunday of the year, and the Lord stirred two specific things in me uh, for that service, which was it was unique and it was different. But I also believe that it was very prophetic, is that there were two types of breakthrough that the Lord wanted to bring into our lives. Number one, being in the area of finance. Finances, and the other one was also uh, specifically uh, in Isaiah. It talks about a spirit of heaviness that the Lord would come to break. And uh, you know, and I want to remind you specifically in the area of the financial one because you know it's exa- it ties in with what I was just saying. One of the tactics of the enemy is to for- get us and to try to get us to forget what the Lord has spoke to us. You know, that's why the Bible talks about holding fast to your confession. Hold fast to your profession. Why? In other words, don't let go of it. And just because here we are in the middle of the year, and so part of why I'm saying this is to remind you. Don't, don't back off and be like, well, nothing's happened. Well, did God change? I mean, is He still the same God? And so there are some things that, um, you know... You know, I've seen God work in many different ways, and sometimes it seems instantaneous. Sometimes it seems to happen a little quick. And then there's times it's just like, man, this seems like it's taking some time, but the end result is still the same. You know, and so I just want to remind you of a few things here, and this was specifically in the area of finances. And uh, and I hadn't really thought about this until we were in worship here, and I had to pull up my notes. But, um, you know, the Bible talks about a spirit of mammon, which is really a spirit that rests upon money. It's, a, it's really a spirit of greed, but it's more than just greed. Greed doesn't even begin to really uh, tie into it. But, um, you know, that's why the Bible says you can't serve God and money. It's really not about money. It's the spirit of mammon. So you can't serve that spirit and serve God. You know, and so there's some things in that. But part of what I shared with you in January was this, is that God wanted that to break that spirit off of your life. Because mammon causes you to relate to money in a wrong way. And so, it's, and so that's part of why it's important. And so I t- shared with you about that. But part of what I believe in, w- what the Lord had stirred in me at the beginning of this year, uh, for you to be believing for and to even be standing for were a couple specific things. And number one was this, was unexpected increase in blessings to come into your life. Unexpected um, or unexpected increase in blessings in your life. Things that you've been believing for, asking God to have a breakthrough. That was one of the things that the Lord showed me was that, you know, was He was the Lord of the breakthrough. And, uh, you know, and there's scriptures, and we, I won't get into all of it uh, just for the sake of time. But uh, the other one is this one, and I thought this one was really cool, is that limitation would be replaced uh, by liberty and generosity. You know, and I believe that those are important because it's not, you know, God always has a reason for everything that He does. And if there's a breakthrough, there's a reason. Uh, God doesn't just do anything just by chance or by happenstance. He's always intentional. He always has a reason uh, behind what He does. I mean, give you just a natural example. If you get healed in your body, what's God want you to do with that? He wants you to tell other people. Why? Because it proves that He's the God who heals. And so God does it, but there's a purpose behind it. It's not just so that we can be blessed and happy into ourselves. No, we experience the blessings of God, and we get to now go and tell other people as part of our testimony about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And so I want to remind you of of that specifically. And then there was also this, and this was the last part. Uh, And and you may have, and I say this because you may have been uh, more diligent about this at the beginning of the year, but this comes out of James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And it talks, and it says, it says, you have not because you ask not. We're actually going to look at this verse more in depth here in a few minutes. And uh, and it also goes on, it's uh, in, in the Bible speaks to, is that you're to knock and the door will be opened. In other words, don't quit talking to the Lord about what you're believing for. You're not reminding Him. 
Hello. God knows what we're believing for. But what it does do is it keeps it front and center in our life. You know, there are, you know, I mean, it's just like in a, a natural relationship. You know, me and Dare have been married for four, 13 years. I had to do the math real quick in my head. And, uh, you know, but there's things that we talked about a long time ago like when we first got married. And then we had to keep talking about those things. Why? So that they would change. One conversation didn't fix it. I'll say it that way. There were things, and there are things that we have to be intentional even now. You know, we sit down every now and then, and we talk about our life and our family and where we're at and what things we want. But if we just had that conversation one time and never came back to it, we're going to forget to be intentional about those things. And the same thing is true with this principle is that even when we're asking the Lord, we're not begging the Lord. That's important. We're not to beg. Uh, the Bible says that we have been made the righteousness of God, that we have access to Him. And, you know, uh, some of what I'm going to share with you tonight is along this line, but it's also how we approach uh, the Lord, but also how we approach finances and blessing. Because, um, you know, the title of this uh, message is this. Uh, it's that it's prosperity from God's view. Now, let me just say this. I'm not receiving an offering tonight. We just did that. We're done. But what I don't want you to hear is that prosperity is money. Because that's naturally, I mean, that's where my mind goes first. But biblical prosperity is not limited to money by any means. As a matter of fact, that's only a small piece of it. Um, But yet that's how we kind of gauge the scorecard of who's blessed and who's not. Who's got and who don't, right? And yet that's a flawed view of prosperity. Because you can have all the money in the world and be miserable. And there are people who have lots of money. And, you know, I mean, athletes, movie stars, all kinds, and they kill themselves. They had everything, seemingly. That the, why? Because they may have had money, but money did not make them prosperous. It gave them a big bank account, but they were sold bankrupt. And so, you know, there are some things that we need to look at, and, and even how we deal with money and look at money and look at even the blessings of God and how He wants to work in our life. It's important that we understand what prosperity actually means for us as believers. And, uh, you know, because um, I believe in working hard, but I also believe that God can do a lot more than I can do. That my best effort, God can easily do much more. Now, I believe in being faithful. Uh, I I do. I believe in working hard. I believe in putting my hands to do something. Uh, And and I have a part to play in God's prosperity. I don't just sit around and ask God, bless me, bless me, bless me, because guess what? It ain't coming. Why? Because I'm in violation of the Word that says, if I don't work, I don't eat. Right? I know that's not real popular in the church. I mean, people are like, yeah, gum it. And especially in our culture many times. Um, you know, but I believe in that. But that's not where our trust is to lie. We are not to trust in our own skills, our own abilities, our own mentality, our own talents. We are not to trust in those things. That is, you know, I'll say it this way, is that if you look at your job as your source, you need to correct that. Because if your job is your source, you're limited to that person, whoever that person is. Your boss, your whoever, you're limited in life to their ability to, to be gracious to you. How many of you, let me just ask an honest question. How many of you work for ungodly people? Like they're not Christians. Well, why would an ungodly person want to bless you? That's not natural. But yet, you get God involved and even an ungodly person will want to bless you. And they won't even know why they're doing it. Or God may not even use them at all and use something completely different. Why? Because God is your source, not 
your job, not your income, not your paycheck. Now, you need a paycheck. Why? Because it takes money to live. It's just a fact of life. But that can't be where your confidence lies. It can't be. Because the moment that we go to that place, and where it's like, well, this is, my, this is my comfort zone, if you will. And many people would rather just sit in a place of comfort than they would for God to open a door. Because when God opens a door, it takes a big step of faith, too. Um, you know, many times. Uh, you know, and I've, just, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it play out too many times to see. And that many times, the greatest blessings of God are right on the other side of a big step of faith. And in the midst of that step, you're going, I hope I'm not crazy. I hope I'm not nuts. But I've seen it over and over again where God has proven faithful. But, it's, but you can't have in your mind that this is my source. This is, you, you know, and, and, and so there's a side of that. And so, um, you know, I shared this verse. I'm going to give you two verses and we'll get into some scripture together tonight. But here's my heart that I want you to hear. Uh, even when I'm talking about the blessings of God, prosperity, because it has gotten flawed. It, it, the message of, of God's blessing has really been, um, you know, it's either one way or the other. Either it's way exorbitant or God didn't want you blessed. He wants you poor. It's one or the other. Few people walk in the middle. Um, you know, but God's desire is that there is balance. Uh, you know, there's a scripture in Proverbs years ago, and it really is kind of the filter that everything that I do in my life, and even in my preaching, that it, it filters, is, and it's this verse, and uh, it plays out at every level of my life. But it says, it's a verse in Proverbs, and it says that the Lord's delight is in just scales. And, uh, and what that said to me one day, I mean, it was just in my personal devotional time. I was just reading the Word. Is that I read it like this, is that the Lord is pleased when I, when I live in balance because my life was completely out of balance. I was a workaholic. I didn't care about spending time at home. I just wanted to make more money. And God said, David, that doesn't please me. And, um, you know, and it really challenged me, and it challenged every part of my life. Like I was like, I need to take a vacation. I need to learn to take a day off. Why? Because God won't bless me just working myself to the bone. Now, I understand what I'm saying. Because I know many of you probably are thinking, you work like crazy right now. And I do. And it's a season. And I understand that. Yeah. You know, and there are, there's an aspect of that. But my trust is not in my ability. It's not. And yours can't either. And so I'm not telling you anything that I don't personally live. And that I don't personally walk out in my own life. I would not be hypocritical to do that. I, I would just not get up here before I'll be hypocritical. Um, you know, but there is still spiritual truth and spiritual principles that will work in anybody's life when they honor God. You know, and so here's um, the first verse comes out of Philippians chapter 4 verse 17. And here's my, my heart uh, for you tonight is this, is that when I'm talking about prosperity from God's view, I'm not saying it because I want anything from you. I don't have some spe- special offering. I'm not trying to manipulate anything out of you. But what I do want, And this is the second part. He says, I do want uh, you to receive a reward for your kindness. I want you to receive the reward of what? Of your generosity. Because there is nothing in life. There's no amount of money that compares to truly being prosperous from a godly place. Because that's a lot more than just money. Money is just a small part of it. But that is God's heart. In Proverbs chapter 11, I shared this last week, but... It says, uh, verse 24 and 25, it says to give freely and become wealthy. Be stingy and you'll lose everything. It says the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So we see an an instruction here is that even as believers that we have to be generosity minded. And generosity doesn't mean just writing checks. I believe being generous is being kind. 
Like even when I'm having a bad day, I should be gracious to people. And I shouldn't, you know, and I believe that's part of why. Because I'm prospering in my soul, even if my bank account's at zero. I still have a prosperous soul, and I know the, the one in who I hope. And I know the one in who I trust. And so, you know, I believe it plays out into every aspect, every facet of our life. Um, you know, and, and even here it says even that as if you're having a bad day, go make somebody else's day better. I mean, you know, I mean, I believe I believe this principle. And that if I'll go sow a seed into somebody else's life, that God will pour into my life. You know, and, and I believe the same is true even for you. Now, I want to read you this passage of Scripture here in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I want to read it out of the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 17, and then I'm going to keep reading. Now, before this, Paul's talking about an offering that was sent, and, uh, you know, and there were several other things, but uh, well, let's see here. Let me just pick in verse 17. He says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I do seek the profit which increases to your heavenly account. How many of you realize when you sow, you do have a heavenly account? How many of you realize that? When you sow, the Bible says that God pays attention to it. And he says that he seeks the increase to your heavenly account. He says the blessing which is accumulating for you. He says in verse 18, he says, I have received everything in full and more. He says, I am amply supplied, having received from Ephrodites the gift or the gifts that you have sent me. He says, they're a fragrant aroma of an offering and an acceptable sacrifice which the Lord welcomes and in which he delights. And my God will liberally supply or fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to ask you to raise your hand, but let me... How many of you can think of a need you have in your life right now? It doesn't have to be financial, but how many of you can think of a need? Well, here Paul says, hey, I've, I've received the gifts and they've met my need. But here's my prayer for you is that the same God who supplied for me will also supply for you. And he says not only will he supply, but he says he'll also do it liberally so that you're filled up to the full. In other words, that you have enough and some. Enough and some. And, he, you know, many people quote this verse. My God's going to provide my needs. My God's, you know, will supply my needs. Okay, well, are you walking in light of what Scripture is talking about here? And giving and honoring the Lord in the area of giving. Now, that's not the focus of my message. We're about to shift gears. But it's hard to talk about this without even acknowledging that that is still God's principles. That is still God's truth. It's still the Word of God in our life. And so that's the, the foundation, really, of our, of our lives. Now, over in Proverbs chapter 10, I'm going to read you several verses here, and then I'm going to start kind of just sharing some things with you. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20, it says, uh, The tongue of the righteous is like precious silver or greatly valued. It says, The heart of the wicked is worth little. It says, the, uh, verse 21, it says, The lips of the righteous feed and guide many. Now, that's not necessarily talking about natural feeding, but he is talking about even with the words of our mouth. It goes back into refreshing others. Would actually feed and guide many. He says, but fools die for a lack of understanding. Verse 22 says, the blessings of the Lord bring true riches. True riches. Money does not equate to riches. Stuff doesn't really matter. Why can stuff can be replaced? There are things that are more important than stuff. You go out here and somebody T-bones your car and it totals out your vehicle. You can go get another one. It's just, I mean, you might like it and it's your vehicle. Okay. But you can go get another one, too. I had somebody do that to me one time. T-boned me, blew out my whole suspension, had to go get a new car. Praise the Lord. 
But a car could be replaced. I was thankful that me and Dara were okay. I was thankful that we didn't have any broken bones or we didn't have anything wrong. Why? Because that car is just a car. It's just metal. That's all it is. It's just metal. Metal and a whole lot of plastic. But yet, that's my wife, and I was just thankful that we were okay. So he says that the blessings of the Lord brings true riches, and he adds no sorrow with it, for it comes as a blessing from the Lord. It comes as a blessing from the Lord. In other words, you can know when God blesses you, because there's no regret on the backside of the blessing. I mean, I've, I've, I've had blessings in my life that I said were the Lord. But then I had regret on the backside. Why? Because I got out ahead of God. I got impatient waiting on God's provision. And I said, I'm going to make something happen. And then there was regret because I was like, man, I shouldn't have done this. Or I shouldn't have bought this. Or I shouldn't have done that. Or whatever it may have been. And there was regret. But yet when God's blessing comes, it's just a blessing. There's no strings attached to it. It's the blessing of the Lord. Now in Psalms 35 verse 27, there's a verse... That I believe, and I'm going to speak to this for a few moments after I read it to you, because I believe this is very important. In Psalms 35, verse 27, it says, Give give great joy uh, to those who came to my defense, and let them continually say, It says, Great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servants, other blessing his servants with peace. Other translations say it this way. Let them continually say out of their mouth that great is the Lord who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Let me say this. God wants you blessed. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be filthy rich or a millionaire or all of these things. And I'm going to get into this here in a few minutes about what is blessing and what is prosperity really look like because it is attached to your assignment in life. Let me say this. I am called to pastor. So that doesn't mean that I can just go out and do anything I want and say, God's going to bless this. No, that's a work of the flesh. And I am foolish to now say, God, you're God and I'm not, but you're going to bless me. See, a lot of people live there saying, God, you're going to bless what I do because I want blessing. But your your blessing in life is actually tied to you doing the right things and being about, just as Jesus said, being about your father's business. In other words... Why are you here? Why did God see fit to put you on the planet at this time, at this season? Your blessing is directly tied to that, more so than even your giving. Giving's important, but what are you doing with the things God has put you here to do? That's even more important. And it says here is that God wants you blessed. And so this is important. Is it number one, I believe, for you to truly experience the blessings of the Lord? You have to believe He actually wants to bless you. And I don't mean like you can just repeat the words. I mean like in your heart, you truly believe God wants me to be blessed. God wants me to prosper. It's not just talk. It's not just things that I'm saying. It's God's Word says that He delights when I prosper. Now the word prosperity is this, and prosper uh, from a biblical perspective is this. Uh, it, it means completeness or soundness. It means welfare. It means peace. Here's another definition that I find really interesting. It's contentment. If you can't be content with little, you won't ever make it to more. Why? Because if you're not content, which also means faithful with the little, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful. And let me say this. If you're not content with what you got, God can't increase you because you won't be... Content when you get more either. 
I mean, you know, and I, I realize I'm a little OCD in this. I mean, I am OCD a little bit and uh, maybe a lot of bit, but that's okay. And, uh, but it doesn't matter how nice of a vehicle I've ever had or how trashy of a vehicle I've ever had. I've always taken care of them. Why? Because I viewed it as I'm being faithful with what's in my hands. And it doesn't matter what it is. And I've had some cars that weren't great. But I always look at it as, God, I'm going to honor you with the vehicle I have, believing that you're going to help me get something better. And God has been faithful to do that time and time again. I, be, I mean, I, I even go this far. If I'm looking for a vehicle, I want to make sure I've been faithful with the one I had so that I get a good deal when I go buy one. I don't like getting ripped off at the car lot. I want to have favor when I go in there. And I've seen it happen. I mean, just unusual things. I bought Dara's car. I remember I went in there and, you know, we, we agree on a price, all this stuff. I had to go sit down with the finance guy, you know, the guy in the back. And uh, we get to talking and find out he's a believer, I'm a believer. And he's like, I'm going to give you the church member special. He dropped the interest rate like a percent and a half, which may not sound like a lot, but it saved me like 60 bucks a month. <laughs> Just because I was a believer. Is that by chance? Well, no, I've been faithful. That's the, I mean, it's little things like that. That you're like, man, I didn't... But at the same time, I just be like, man, that was cool. I realize that's the blessing of the Lord. That's, the, that's God working on my behalf. You know, and, and so there are things about that. And we have to learn to be content. And we're going to look really on what I believe is most important about this um, in this area when we're talking about prosperity. And this is prosperity from God's view, not our view. Our view is like we need to have the lifestyle that used to be... Like I'm going to use an old reference on the show called Cribs. Hey, I've got a huge house, and I've got a lot of cars, and I've got rims on my cars, and I've got, you know, this and this and this for this and that. That's not necessarily what God has for us or what He even defines as prosperity. That's what, from the outside looking in, many times I would say is greed. That's just an unhealthy desire for stuff. Um, You know, and we have to be careful that we don't treat God like like the lottery. One day I'm going to hit it rich. God doesn't abide by a lottery principle there's no such thing as luck when it comes to prosperity in the biblical terms you be faithful with what you have you honor the lord with what you have you do what you need to do with what you and god says i see a faithful person that i can bless because i know they'll be faithful with what i put in their hands to do and that's the way god works and and so you know um but part of the i believe it when we're talking about this, is that there is contentment. Paul talks about it there in uh, Philippians chapter 4. We didn't read it, but he says, look, I've learned how to be okay with nothing, and I've learned how to be okay with a lot. And then he starts talking about the gifts and the blessing that God provided. But he said first, hey, I learned when I didn't have nothing, I've been been tired, I've been homeless, I've been hungry, and I I knew how to be content in that moment. But I've also known how to, uh, he says, I've learned to be content when I was abounding as well. Because it's easy you know, where, if, if, especially depending on your background, but if you have never really experienced the blessing of the Lord and you get to a place where the Lord starts to bless you, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want more. And the motive changes. Well, that's a dangerous place to be. And I've been there. It's a dangerous place. Why? Because now I'm no longer allowing the Lord to be my source. Now I'm trying to, like, okay, Lord, thanks for getting me here. I got it from here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, but I got it from here. On, I, I'm, I'm going to do something. It's a, you have to be careful. And it goes back to motive. And we're going to look at these things here in just a minute. But um, here in uh, Psalms, let's see here. Let me pull this up in another translation real quick. 
wasn't that verse. Anyhow, one translation I was reading, it talked about that God's provision. You know, prosperity, it's hard to, to have prosperity without some provision. You know, I've shared this before, but the word provision is simply two words. If you go and study, if you know language and that kind of stuff, it's two words. Pro, which means for. You know, like if you're pro something or you're con something, like I'm pro whatever, I don't know. Y'all, y'all might be pro Razorbacks. I'm con Razorbacks, right? So I'm pro Tigers. Y'all are con, some of y'all are con Tigers, right? Right? So what does that mean? Pro is for, con is against, right? So pro for vision. So what is provision for? It's for the vision. So let me say it this way. God brings for, brings, will bring provision, but it's for His vision for your life. God is not necessarily committed to bringing provision into our life for what we want. He is committed to bringing provision into our life for what He wants. And that's important that we know this. And so, um, you, know, it's a, and, and, you know, even this is that uh, God will always provide for the vision that He has for us. And this is why it matters, why you can answer the question, what am I here for? You know, um, you know, and everybody has different callings, different giftings, different... But if you don't know, I would encourage you, you need to start to ask the Lord and seek the Lord about, God, why am I here? What's my purpose? Because your blessing is greatly connected to your calling. Um, you know, because it's, a, it's about faithfulness and really stewarding what God has put in your hands to do. And so, you know, and the thing is, is when you're in the, the lane of what God has called you to do, blessing will come. And it may be in your vocation, your job, but your job is not who you are. You are more than what you do. And that's an identity thing, and that's important that we understand that. You know, I, I mean, I know we've uh, got people from all different backgrounds that do all kinds of different things, but you are more than what you do. And God has something greater for you than just your necessary vocation. He's put a skill set and giftings on the inside of you, and your natural job may enable you to be able to do some of those things. That God has called you to do. And that's part of God's provision. But it's not limited to those things. And so, um, you know, I like this definition or this, this quote that I found. It said this, is that prosperity is having enough of God's provision to complete His instructions in your life. I'll repeat it. It says prosperity is having enough of God's provision. And I'm going to reword it. To do what He's asked you to do. That's what prosperity is. Do I have enough to do what God has called me to do? The answer is pretty simple, yes or no. If the answer is no, okay, then how do I get to where I have enough to do the thing that God's called me to do? And that's a question between you and the Lord. This is a heart issue. Um, you know, and so I think it's very important. And so, uh, you know, even in this, and when we're talking about this, and this is really where I wanted to get to and kind of spend some time with you tonight on is this, is that what's your motivation to prosper? Because that matters more than anything else. Uh, I mean, if I asked you, I mean, how many of you want to raise on your job? Like three people are just happy with the paycheck they get. So apparently, maybe even I got like five. How many of you think you should get paid more money? Okay, well, that's a little bit better. My question would be, do you earn more money? Do you work where it justifies more? But that's a different conversation altogether. But let me ask you this. What's the motivation to want to be more prosperous? What, why? Why? Because I believe that's an important question that you have to ask. Why? 
Is it just for me? Is it just for my family? Is it just for what I want? Is it just so I can do X, Y, and Z? Is it just so I can, you know, do whatever it may be so I can go buy this or do that? Or What's the motivation? Because motive matters more than anything else. Motive matters. You can sow for the wrong reason and it will hinder the blessings of the Lord. Why? Because God will not bless you to harm you. And blessings will harm you if your heart is not right. Absolutely. And, and so motive matters greatly. There could be prosperity and a breakthrough that God is wanting to pour out into your life, but He sees that there are areas of your heart that are not right and He cannot pour that blessing into because it will harm you. And God is a faithful Father. He will not set you up to fail. He won't. Why? Because God is good. And he does that which is only good in our life. So he's not going to bring. But that's important because even when I was sharing with you about what the Lord stirred in me at the beginning of the year, you might still be praying and asking the Lord for a breakthrough in your life, even in the area of finances. But yet God is waiting that there's an area of your heart that you need to relate to money properly. Is that money cannot be your source. Your job is not your source. Your God, your Father is. I mean, think about this in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We quote it all the time. Seek first the kingdom of God and all, you know, and all His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Did it say, you know, seek a pay raise? Did it say, seek to give an offering? Did it say to seek, you know, all these things that we equate? Or did it say, seek God? It says to seek God first. Him, not something. Him, a relationship, a connection with Him, a viable relationship with the Lord, and then blessing will come. I mean, even, you know, and and again, these are just hard things. You can serve the Lord for a long time and then back away from your passion, your devotion, your your desire to to even uh, grow in understanding of Scripture, and yet that affects your blessing. Why? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all the stuff will come. All those things that everybody else are trying to get. But the motivation has to be, God, I want you. I want a relationship with you first and foremost and primary. Not the stuff that you will bless me with. Why? Because if my relationship with God is right, my heart will be right. How I relate to things and stuff and to other people will maintain right. Because my relationship with Him, which is most important, is right. And that's why it matters. And so even when we're praying and asking the Lord, you know, for His blessing and for His provision, why? Why? Why are you even asking the question? Now, God wants to bless you. The Bible, and I could spend multiple sermons convincing you that God wants you blessed. But I'm going to let you figure that out. Because the Bible is full of verses that says that God delights, God wants to bless, that God wants to provide. And God will, but many times it's a heart issue that's in the way of that provision. I mean, I'll just, I'll just kind of give you an honest example of this because I've had the Lord do it to me multiple times now. Where He's asked me to take a step and every time I've taken a pay cut. In, just in the natural. I've, I've had the Lord do it multiple times to me. And so when I talk about God being my source, I've actually walked this out multiple times and have seen God provide every time, without fail. And when you're talking about the Lord stirring in you to take a step, I mean, I won't go into details. We have people in this church who took a paycheck cut just so they could be in church more. 
Because that was what they believed the Lord had led them to do. And God has more than made that up. And I'm not talking about like, ah, here's $500 pay cut. I mean some substantial pay cuts. But the Lord has honored it. Why? Because it was a step of faith. And the blessings have followed that step of faith. Why? Because the kingdom within was more important than the paycheck that was coming. And that's the real value. And many people never really get to a place to where they ask the Lord, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I, am I busy doing the things that you have for me? And money, it, it just reveals our heart. It just does. If you want to know what's important to you, get out your checkbook. You'll see what's important to you. What's of real value. You know, and the thing is, is that the motive of what we do matters more than anything else. It is the linchpin that the blessings of God hinges on. Not necessarily your sowing, although it's a biblical principle. We ought to sow. The Bible says if you don't sow, you will not reap. So there's an element there. But also, and even more importantly, is where's your heart? How are you relating to finances in the area of your life? So here's the question is, what's your motivation to prosper? Is it for selfish gain or is it for God's purposes to be fulfilled in your life? What is it? Is it just so that you can have something? Or is it because you're saying, God, I want to be able to do more of what you've called me to do? You may not even know what that is yet, and that's okay. I mean, the Bible says that God sees ahead and makes provision before the need's ever there. I've stood on that verse many times. God, I thank you that, that you provide for my needs before I even know they're here. And it's amazing how many times I've seen God do it. And I'm like, a provision would come, and I'm like, man, that was awesome. And then a week later, I'm like, Dad, gummit. But, the, I mean, you know, I mean, I, just a natural, practical example. I Here, I don't know, I don't know, a few months ago, six months ago, I don't know how long it was. I don't remember, I don't remember what it was. Somehow we'd gotten about an extra $1,500. I don't know, oh, it's tax return, that's what it was. Some money, finally got a tax return, praise the Lord, you know. I don't get them. My taxes are crazy, but anyhow, um, they're just complicated. I don't even understand them. So I have to pay somebody to do my taxes because they're weird. Um, but uh, I got that money. I was like, praise God. Literally, the next week, I had to take all that money and put it into the front end of my truck. Praise God. Praise Jesus. I don't know. I don't like spending money to fix cars. I just don't like doing it. It's frustrating to me. But yet there was provision made the week before. And honestly, actually, Chris did the work. I didn't know how bad it actually was. And he was like, it's amazing your truck made it here. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, literally, I asked him when I went to the mechanic shop. I asked him. He started telling me what all he did. I said, hey, just tell me what you didn't do. <laughs> did I not ask you that? And he said, one wheel bearing. The whole front suspension completely had to be replaced. But the Lord provided before I even knew I needed it. I mean... No joke. It's the first tax return I've gotten in years. Years. But the Lord provided. And God will do that. God will provide you ways to even make, take care of your needs before you ever see them. But yet motive matters. Let me read you a scripture here out of Luke chapter 21. <clears throat> 
Luke 21 verse 1. It says, uh, and he being Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. So he's watching the people giving in the offering. So you can't say God doesn't pay attention to the offering because Jesus did. And he is God. So he paid attention to it. And uh, it says, so he put their gifts into the treasury. It says, and he saw a certain poor widow coming and she gave two mites, which is not even two pennies in today's uh, money. But he says, Jesus remarks to the disciples who are standing nearby, and he says, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has given more than all of them. Now, how many of you know that bags of money equates to more than two pennies? Why? Because the amount didn't matter. It was the motive that mattered. And Jesus goes on and he says, For all of these gave of their abundance, or gave out of their abundance, have put in offerings to God, but she out of her poverty put all of her livelihood um, that she had. She gave everything she had. And Jesus is saying, look, the motive matters. Other translations of this same verse say that, um, that the wealthy came and gave out of their abundance and gave an offering that they would never even really notice it was gone. In other words, it was like a tip. Like, God, here's a little, here's a quarter. But yet she came with a heart that says, God, I want to honor you. And Jesus said, in the eyes of God, she did more than all of them combined. So that tells us God's view of prosperity is not the same thing. God's view of money and ours are not the same thing. It's about the motive. It's about the heart. It's about the intention and, and the, the, the purpose behind why we sow. And so motive matters. It's really all that counts. And so there's a question that I believe that all of us have to ask ourselves and to really kind of come to grips with and come to terms with, which is this, is how do you relate to finances? How do you relate to money? Is money your source? I mean, we have dollar bills in America. I've been to countries, like uh, as an example, the first country I ever went to was Zambia in Africa. The exchange rate, I can't remember exactly, but I believe, if I remember correct, this has been nearly 15 years ago now, the exchange rate was 4,700 to 1. At one time, their dollar was 1 to 1 with the American dollar. Their economy had collapsed completely. And so when I went, it was, you know, you got a whole stack of cash for a dollar bills. If your confidence is in our money, you're in trouble. (laughs) Why? Because that's fleeting. Money can be great one day, down the next. It can, you know, you may be all wise and smart and do all these things, and you got all this. That better not be where your faith is in. It better be in the Lord. He better be your source. Now, I believe in wise planning. I believe in making provision. I believe in saving. I believe in doing all those things. I believe we ought to do those things. I believe it's wise. I mean, have a rainy day fun. Why? Because it's going to rain. That's what Dave Ramsey says. <laughs> it's going to rain, so you better have some money for a rainy day. I mean, the, least go- the, the roof will leak at some point when it rains. And you probably want to have some money so that you're not... You're like, well, that'd be nice to have some money in savings, preacher. Well... If you'll trust the Lord, if you will walk in the wisdom of Scripture, I mean, that starts with not spending everything you make. I mean, that's what the Bible says. He says, hey, go look at the ants. Learn a lesson. They take and they store. Why? Because they know winter's coming. The rain is coming. So they store up. We see this, you know, in the earth. So, I mean, there's basic biblical principles that have to do with God's blessing that... Yeah, no. I mean, I can remember the first time that I ever had any money in savings. 
was right before me and Dare were leaving. I, you know, the Lord had spoke pretty clearly and just knew this was, the Lord had told us to leave. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. The Thursday before our first open house to sell our house, our air conditioner went out. It was the first time in my life I had like any money in the bank. When I say any money, I had $2,000 in the bank. Which for me, that was a lot of money. Air conditioner goes out. I call the guy. He comes over. He's like, it's shot. You need a new unit. I was like, Dad, gummit. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm trying to move to out of state. I'm trying to do all these things, but I got to sell this house, blah, blah. He calls whoever, I don't even know who, and there's, he said, there's one in the state of Kansas. One air conditioner that'll fit, that'll work for your house. I was like, well, we got to get it, get it. I can't have an open house with a hot house. It was in August. <laughs> or wait, well, it was July. It was July. June, very end of June or July. It was the middle of summer. It's hot. It's hard to sell a house when it's hot in the middle of summer. And I remember that guy, you know, he orders it, and I, had to, I wrote him a check. It actually felt good. I was like, I actually have money for this. And I remember telling Derek after, I was like, do you know how stressed I would have been had we not had some money in savings? Now, it took all but like $300 what I had in savings. But, but I had money set aside. Why? Because I had actually walked out some of the biblical principles. We had gotten out of debt. We had done some of those things. We started saving a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot of money. It was a little bit of money. It took us a long time to get to that $2,000. But I know this. It was a blessing when it broke because I was able to say, yeah, let's order that and not me be totally stressed out and mad and yelling at people and kicking my dog and acting a fool. And Why? Well, because I'd, I'd walked out some biblical principles in my life. And you can do the same thing. I ain't special and I'm not smart. I just started changing my behaviors. I started telling myself no sometimes. That's a hard one. You don't need that, but I want it. You got to say no sometimes. So that's how you relate to money. How do you relate to it? You spend everything or do you have an understanding? Like, well, what does the Bible say I need to do? I need to have some money set aside. I need to do those things. I need to give. I need to be gracious. I need to be generous in my life. Another aspect of that is how do you relate to the resources? And I would, because resources is not necessarily finances. Those are your gifts. Those are your talents. That's your time. That's those things that God has placed in your life. How do you view those things? Are you selfless or are you selfish? Which one is it? It's one or the other. You're probably not both. It's pretty hard to be both. You're going to be one or the other. And it's important that we understand these things. Over in James chapter 4, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. James chapter 4, we're going to start reading here in verse 1. We're going to read the first 10 verses of this chapter um, because I believe that there's several things that it pulls out here. <clears throat> but I believe it will give us clarity as well. But it says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? In other words, they're, they're fighting, they're arguing. He says, don't they come from evil desires at war within you? He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. He says, you're jealous of what others have, um, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them. So in other words, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you do whatever you got to do to get what you want to do. That's what they're doing. Now, these are church folk, by the way. So let's just remind ourselves of that. And he goes on, he says... Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. 
If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I thought we were talking about getting stuff. I mean, we were. This is still in context. I didn't skip a verse. I didn't change chapters. I didn't change books of the Bible. This is all the same conversation. So he's connecting even our desire for stuff to a love of the world. He says, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. He says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? He says, they say that God is passionate, uh, is a passionate that, wait. They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us, uh, we should be faithful to him. And he says, or, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee, resist temptations. That will come. Those things that would try to rob your blessing. Many times I believe that the enemy comes and robs the blessings of the Lord. And because we fall for it, we never realize the blessing. Because he came and took it before we ever even realized what it was. He says, um, resist the devil and he will flee. Verse 8, it says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. If you're really going to live in a place of prosperity, your your loyalty can't be divided between God and the world. And we say it this way, it can't be divided between God and money. It can't. Verse 9 says, let there be tears for what you have done. It says, let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and uh, gloom instead of joy. Now, what is that? that I know that all sounds really bad. That's repentance. It's a realizing that, God, I've not approached this the way that I should. That my focus and my intention is off. And he says in verse 10. So he's, he's wrapping up this thought and he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. At the appropriate time, God will lift you up. See, here's my responsibility when it relates to the prosperity and the blessings of the Lord. My responsibility is to be faithful and to trust God that when it's his timing, he will exalt. It's not my job, it's not my role to determine the when, the where, and the how. That's up to God. When God says you're faithful, that's when the blessings come. That's when the exalting comes. But it comes through humbling myself. And another word of of saying humble is this, I trust you. In practical, real life, God, I feel like I deserve and I've earned a raise. But I'm going to trust you. doesn't matter what I think. I'm going to trust you. And if God has to use heathen people, unsaved people, ungodly people, he can do that. And if they refuse, he will find somebody else who will. And he will give you a new job with a new boss. They may not even be a believer, but they're at least willing to be used by the Lord even unknowingly to bring about blessing in your life. I believe that as believers, that we actually could be a conduit for the blessing that comes on the businesses that we work for. I've always believed that. I mean, you go and look in the Old Testament. Where the Ark of the Covenant went, blessing came. When the presence of God went somewhere, blessing came. Well, what do you think we are? We're not the Ark of the Covenant, but we are carriers of the presence of God. So that means where we go, blessing goes. You ought to pray and ask the Lord to bless the company you work for. Why? Because they write your paycheck. You're like, well, they don't know what, what this or that Okay, well, they're not my source, but they do write my paycheck. So, Lord, I'm going to ask you to bless them. Well, they're ungodly. 
God will bless the unrighteous if it will bless the righteous. And you never know. God could, And that could be the seed that God uses to actually touch that person's heart. The money is irrelevant to God. It's all about people. But yet, God will use you as an instrument to actually pour through His blessing. And that's... That's when it gets pretty neat. Why? Because you get to be used by God. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, nobody here has ever made this statement, but I know people have made, you know, previously, other people said, man, it must be nice to work around Christian people all the time. I made that statement to me because I work for a church. Well, sometimes yes, but then you also have the thought of, you know better. So sometimes it's a little more maddening to be around a lot of church folk a lot. I know everybody's like, man, I wish I was around people that, you know, didn't cuss and didn't do this and didn't do that. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been around a lot of church folk who did that too. It's not necessarily easier. But yet God would have actually placed you somewhere and in a place and in an environment to what? To bring blessing into that place, to bring his presence into that place so that you can actually change and help see people Move And yet, as that company gets blessed, I believe that if your heart's right, God will see to it. Everybody else ain't getting a raise, but I did. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, I do. God provided for me. God gave me a, you know, there was an open door, and they came and asked me, hey, do you want to change positions? Well, I don't know. Comes with a pay raise. Well, let me, let me pray about it. Maybe that is the will of God. But I think it's important. You've got to pray about those things, too. Just because it's an open door doesn't mean it's the Lord. So don't fall for that trap either. Like, oh, I'm going to make more money. It's got to be the Lord. No, not necessarily. It's a trusting of the Lord. Now, there are times that it's like, hey, I'm going to move into a new position and I get a pay. Praise God. You pray about it. You got a piece about it. Go for it. It might be the blessing of God. But it's not just as simple as, A plus B equals C. Sometimes God says, no, that's not my plan for prosperity. Sometimes God says subtraction for multiplication. And I've been on the other side of that. It's fun when the Lord asks me to give up something and he's not adding for it. He's not coming with addition. He wants to come with some multiplication. That's when it's like, oh, man, this is what this is what like true prosperity looks like. Because God will multiply the seed in your life. And God will do this. And it's not, it's not anything special to me or anybody else. It's the Word of God, and it is true. And it is real, and God's principles will work. You know, I don't know who, who, where the saying comes from, but it's like, uh, it'll work if you work it. Of course, that's probably a secular term, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like going to the gym. If you actually apply yourself, you're probably going to get in better shape. You know, or you can just go and stand around and watch people do it. It's not really going to help you much, but... I went to the gym today. I just talked to a few people and watching people and didn't really get much out of it, but I went to the gym. But if you apply yourself, it's going to have some results. The same thing is true with the Word of God. If you apply yourself to the Word of God, it will produce some results. That weight bench doesn't care if it's a man or a woman, if you're six feet, you know, four inches or five foot two inches. If you apply yourself to weights, you're going to get toned up, if not bulked up. Why? Because it's just a principle. If you lift heavy things, you're going to get stronger. It's just a principle. Same thing is true with the Word of God.
And if we'll walk in light of what God's word says, and it says we'll humble, we'll trust the Lord in the area of our, even in our finances. But it's more than just finances. It's in our mind. It's in our hearts. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray above all things that, what, that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I don't want to have a million dollars and be contemplating suicide because my life's miserable. What good is it? I mean, the, Jesus even taught, and he said, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? The money doesn't make, you know, and I, I'll say this. Just on, I've said this a couple times, but I'll say it another way. Is if you're not happy where you are right now, more money will not make you more happy. That's a lie. It is not true. It's just not true. Money cannot make you happy. Money can buy you some stuff, but it doesn't make you happy. It might, you're like, oh, yeah, I go buy me a boat, and I'll go do this. You'll be happy for a moment, but it's going to be fleeting. It will be. Now, let me just touch on this real quick before I wrap up. Because I think this is important when we're talking about relating to money as well. Is this, is that even our mindset, when we see God blessing other people. Well, God, I, I mean, I, I see what, what God did for them. How come it didn't work for me? How come it seems like they're blessed and I'm not? There's lots of answers to this, but ultimately, this is the way I would say it. And this would be my response to that question. Number one is, that goes back to you've got to believe God wants to bless you. You've got to believe that God wants to pour out His blessings into your life. But number two, on the other side of that um, question would be this, is that um, you don't necessarily know the difference between you and that person. You may say you did the same things, but this is what I'd say. You can give in the same offering, but it doesn't mean that you've done what they did in their heart or that you've, uh, that you've allowed the Lord to do in your heart what they allowed Him to do in theirs. There's no way to know that. You can say, well, I was faithful with this. There's no way to know. I mean, in John chapter 21, there's an account where Jesus is walking with Peter and talking to Peter about what's going to happen to him. And Peter asks the question. He turns around and looks at John and says, Jesus, what about him? And Jesus basically says, don't worry about it. Actually says, what does that have to do with you, Peter? You do what I asked you to do. And so many times we can even get discouraged and frustrated looking at what we perceive to be the blessings of the Lord in people's life. I'll give you just a natural statistic, and this is true, that when you move from a lower middle class neighborhood, they say 70% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, that's verifiable. If you go to an upper middle class, so, you know, whatever you want to call that, 80% of that neighborhood is living paycheck to paycheck. So people got two nice cars and they got their, you know, I can remember driving through neighborhoods with people who were my age, like in their young 30s, and they got, you know, two really nice cars and a really nice house. And I used to think, man, they must really make money. You know what my thought is now is I bet they got a lot of debt. Because that's actually more true than them having a lot of money. Like that's the normal in our culture. Man, I wonder what their bills are like. Because they got some nice stuff, but y'all my age, y'all ain't making crazy money. And unfortunately, I've known a lot of people who were like that. And knowing they can't buy their next meal, but they live in a, you know, really nice house and a really nice car, but they ain't got no money to put in that boat they got sitting there that they're, you know, 
just stuff, but man, they ain't got no money. But from the outside, you think, man, they just got it going on. Number one cause of divorce, money. You want to keep your marriage together? Deal with your money. It's important. It matters. And anybody that says money doesn't matter, doesn't have any. I know I'm being a little front and a little, but I'm, but I mean, at times we, you got to answer some of these questions because God wants you to prosper, but he will not bless you to your harm. He won't do it. So we've got to get to a place where our heart relates to money properly from a biblical perspective. It's not about what everybody else has got and what they don't got and who I am and what I am and this and what I need and what I want and The only thing that matters is, God, am I doing what you're telling me to do? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Okay. And I'll go back to the statement that I read earlier. Is that prosperity (coughs) is having enough of God's provision to complete His instructions on your life. Do you have enough to do what God has called you to do? That's prosperity. That's the blessings of the Lord. And if you're faithful with what you have, God will increase you. Why? Because if you've been faithful with what you have, God will increase you with more. That's God's plan for you and for me. Amen.